on the field, people will come. And it doesn't happen. You have to look at how you're doing business. Hello, it's time for an emergency podcast episode edition, whatever you want to call it, of White Sox business, because we've got huge news since we last left you. We recorded on Wednesday for our latest episode that came out on Thursday, and then something happened, something big. I'm talking, of course, about the haircut I got, James. I got a haircut. What a haircut. waste of time that was. I, I look great. I Actually, you know what? You know you know how, like, when you get a haircut, <clears throat> it, like, looks really good for, like, the first 36 hours is, like, the sweet spot? No. Uh, my hair is so fucking good, it looks good, like, for months on end. <laughs> my my hair is outstanding right now. I haven't got a haircut in two weeks. See, whenever I get a haircut, like that first thirty six hours is absolutely perfect, and then it kind of you know you have to you have to mess with it to get it tried it back, but it never really gets back to what it was when you first got the haircut. So yeah. Anyways, welcome to uh, White Sox business, an emergency episode because the White Sox did what the White Sox have been very fond of doing in recent times. They signed Yon Mankata to an extension, five years, seventy millions, with a club option that could bring it to ninety million. There's also a five million dollar buyout. James, why didn't you break this? Because <laughs> uh, it got denied when I checked in on it. On my last like couple days uh, in Arizona, it got you know firmly denied from both sides of the uh, the equation. So I, yeah, I assume we all thought. I mean, when I wrote about Mancada being extension net candidate in October, I checked in on the idea of like, hey, is this a guy you're looking to extend? And they were like, yeah, very much. <laughs> he fits all the qualifiers. You know that we like extensions and he fits the bold of who we'd like to send. So, yeah, go ahead and write your article. Um, so, yeah, we, we knew that the White Sox wanted to extend Jan Mankata. Uh, I mean, both by the fact that I asked about it and the fact that he absolutely fit the template of what they've been doing for the last geez, uh, 10 years? Uh, long, uh, as long as that, this has been somewhat of a requirement uh, that they have to kind of operate this way. So this is definitely something we could have seen coming, but I I guess the direct answer to your question is that I did not break the story because I'm a failure, and <laughs> little, little Ken Rosenthal is our king and our god, and we worship him as such, and he, he broke the story for The Athletic on the deal being finally official. So um, I guess it's not official yet. Yeah, they have not. Maybe by the time we, you listen to this, but he he, he broke the agreement and whatnot because, uh, you know, Ken is king. And um, when I see him next, I will bow. I Cash was king. But by the time this episode comes out, they will probably have signed Lucas Giolito to an extension, maybe you know, four or five other guys. Who knows? But no, that brings the tally now to. Well, <laughs> you funny you mentioned Lucas because Lucas should be like a difficult sign. Lucas is, you know, <laughs> Lucas did not grow up like on the hard scrabble streets one day dreaming of making it in the big city or anything like that. And, you know, he got trapped in the first round. He's not someone who needs, like, financial security or maybe he's going to be destitute or something like that. But Yohamankata and Luis Robert should have been hard signs, and they extended both of them. Um, it seems much more like they had to pay more of a premium to get Robert uh, to forget about his $26 million he already on the bank than Mankata, who it seems like they got a very good value for, but... Um, I guess you can't really rule out any of their difficult signs because they've been really good at getting them. But Lucas, I also wouldn't be surprised if Lucas was willing to go year to year because, you know, he, he's doing fine. Yeah, I think they'll probably still try just because that's what they seem to do. But I, I don't know if that's going to happen. But that I would seem they've already yeah, tried. But I, I just think that 
I don't expect that one to happen. But to be fair, I didn't really expect it to happen for Robert or Moncada simply because Robert got the huge signing bonus when he signed from Cuba. Moncada got the huge signing bonus when he signed with the Red Sox from Cuba. So that like you were alluding to, they probably you would think they didn't feel as much pressure as a lot of other international signings or draftees might feel where they want to cash in and get that security instead of risking to see what happens by the time, you know, they become a free agent, particularly in the current climate for free agents, where unless you're one of the top guys, like you are the a number one or the a number two guy on the market in a given winter, you're going to get paid, but you're not going to get like the big mega deals that we had seen being giving out so often to like pretty much any free agent for most of the last 20 years or so. So, I mean, I think this is great news for the White Sox because now if we look at it, if we just go through the roster of, you know, the big guys, Gilito not signed long-term, Lopez not signed long-term, Cease not signed long-term, but they're all under control because they're still, you know, young. Aaron Bummer, they just signed to the extension, so I guess he's part of the core. But Luis Robert, Yon Moncada, Aloy Jimenez, Tim Anderson. Am I missing anybody? Did I forget anyone? Uh, no Jason Benetti. leave pretty soon. Yeah, so I mean, like, and then, you know, you've got the other prospects like Nick Madrigal. I mean, you, you start thinking about Vaughn and Madrigal at a certain point, but yeah. Yeah, but they're still, they've got like seven years of control left on them. So it's like, oh, and Jose Abreu, of course, with his lifetime in perpetuity contract. You've probably got him signed as long as you want to have him signed, if not a little in more. In fact, you're going to have him longer than you want to have him signed because, as he has said numerous times, he will sign himself. You won't have anything to do with it. <laughs> yeah. There's really no evicting him. So, I mean, this is, it's, I've saw some people, like I saw some of the reaction from fans when I first discovered it. I mean, you were, were you on the plane when it broke? Yes. Yeah. Always buy the Wi-Fi, kids. Jesus <laughs> yeah. Christ. For, for, for those wondering why James was so quiet when the, the news broke, because James was in a plane and I remember, you know, Cam and I were trying to like, okay, man, so should we do an emergency podcast? And we're sitting there waiting for James to answer and James is not answering. And then finally, I don't know, how, how much time had passed, Cam, would you say? I don't know, like 20 minutes. Well, I could have answered to you because you have an iPhone. <laughs> It's but true. I couldn't answer Cam because it's freaking Android, so I don't get those even when I do buy the Wi-Fi. <laughs> Cam, why do you have an Android? It's the superior phone. It's superior in that. Yeah, it every, is a superior every phone, single but one other of your people friends, don't have it. Every single one of your friends hates you. Just know that. <laughs> like, no, I don't want to be privy to these no, Apple the messages, these iMessages. There's no and reason. the hatred of all my friends and peers. Like... I will be honest. There have been some people that I think our relationship has been strained since they moved to an, to an Android phone because it's like, man, now I got to pull out the phone to text you. I can't just type it on my laptop. That's kind of crappy. Right. But anyways. It's like, it's basically yeah, abuse. It's, it's inconsiderate is what it is. It's selfish. Do you know what Android users get? Uh, Less friends? No ton of sex <laughs> well good for them but no uh so but yeah james was on a flight because he's now in arizona and he's having it was a great flight for him they lost his bag but thankfully he had his microphone <laughs> today is rolling so wait i forgot oh my god i can't believe i didn't lead the podcast for this but did you get a dodge ram i'm a ramming yeah. man <laughs> i have a toyota 
I have a Kia Soul. A Kia Soul. I got one of those last time I rented a car. They're the boxy ones, right? Yeah. It was I, supposed to be a Toyota Corolla. I guess a Kia Soul is the or similar there. I wasn't a fan. They're fine. I mean, they drive fine. It's just I think that you're so used to driving a certain shape car, like the way the mirrors work, and then you get like this box that you're driving, and it just kind of threw me off. I didn't. Okay, I drove a fucking pickup for two weeks. T- spare I'm me the different man. size, <laughs> the different shape car like argument. I'm a ramen man. <laughs> I drove a boat. Like it's the different shape car thing. Like it's not a big concern anymore. Yeah, but like your testosterone levels. Or just like the adrenaline that had to be pumping through your veins while you're driving that Dodge Ram must have been incredible. Must have been how Yohan Moncada felt when he signed a five-year, $70 million extension. Oh, yeah, that's what we're here to talk about. <laughs> yeah, so I almost made a ridiculous off-color joke in response to that. But now we can move on with the contract. Uh, oh, okay, here. Cam, stop recording. And James, tell us what the joke was. Not going to fall for that one again. <laughs> But so anyways, back to Mankata. I mean, there's no way this is going to be bad, right? I mean, I guess there's a possibility that he suddenly sucks. But I don't think that's right. going to happen. But, I mean, the point I was trying to make in the article is, uh, you know, who – your core players for the White Sox have kind of been the same guys um, since you made the trades in 2017. You personally, Tom. Um, yes. Not to, like, it's just time make the entire – contract about the 2016-2017 drafts, but you haven't, like, shown a ready ability to reproduce, like, these core players aren't, like, popping off an assembly line. You haven't produced, like, a Yon Mankata or a Eloy Menes through the draft yet. Maybe Andrew Vaughn is looking like that guy. Maybe Nick Madrigal still winds up being that caliber player, though this hasn't been the greatest, like, last two months for that. Uh, by the, oh, you know what you know what time it's played? It is. It's it's time to play. What is Nick Madrigal hitting? One ninety. Um, oh for two today with a run after he got hit by a pitch. So the OBP yeah. went up. That OPS there is climbing, go. kids. So my point being, you haven't since you acquired that Luis Robert, Eloy Menes, Yomankata. You have not like shown some new way to crank those guys off assembly line. You haven't had an international signing on the tier of Robert. Though obviously you're out of the penalty box again, and you know the new class looks good, but I wouldn't put the the, the new pitcher they signed on that level either. Um, so this like there's risk with Moncada. Moncada's 406 BAPIP is going to come down. There's a chance he's bad, but you don't really have anything on this tier to kind of say like, well, we want to see how Moncada pans out. We have other guys who could like take his place. So they and given the fact that they are not you know, super, they're not the Yankees financially wise. And we know they're not going to spend on even like the Cubs level. They can't really kind of afford to have them go year to year and have them be big arb figures down the road and still be able to spend and have flexibility around it. So they kind of need to make the leap. There's not really a better option for them to make the leap and just commit and bet on these guys. Because if these guys don't work out, they don't really have great alternatives anyway. So they might as well commit to them and give them big financial guarantee because Otherwise, it's trying to find a Yamakata through free agency. And obviously, that's not going to be cheaper, or it's going to be trying to, you know, tearing down and rebuilding again and trading. So you don't want to do that. So I don't like, they don't have a, this is the direction for them to go in. This is the, 
the, the direction for them to err in is just be overcommitting to these guys because it's the best option you got, I feel. So I think they've done good work. And and really with Mankata, they they really haven't taken a huge risk as far as the value they got because they got such good value. Like Robert is probably where they have like, we're just going to swing to the fences. And, you know, if this guy doesn't pan out, we were going to be screwed anyway. Mankata, they, it seems like this is a deal every team would make. But this is the direction they have to go in because I feel like they haven't shown – that they can reel off these kind of core players uh, reliably. I mean, yeah, <clears throat> I understand if, if it doesn't, if Mankata bombs, I mean, five years, 70 million or 75, technically, I guess, if we include that buyout, it's not like the kind of deal that's going to hamstring you that, what is that? 15 million a I year? I think the 70 includes a buyout that it's technically five years, 65. And then he gets a buyout if they don't take the option year. So it's then 14 it million a year. 70. Right, which is less than Milky Cabrera was getting when he signed as a free agent. So yeah, pretty good deal. Yeah, and that's too. I saw like the. What we, for, I mean, obviously got, you're gonna pay. You're gonna be paying. You're gonna be paying uh, Yamankata like six hundred thirty thousand dollars this year. So yeah, but it's you're kind of trying. To, you're hoping to protect against what arbitration could be or what things could change. I mean, who knows what the new CBA is going to bring? So there's also that kind of uncertainty too. It could see a situation where suddenly. Like these guys might have find themselves in a position where they would have made a lot more a lot quicker, and they're going to be looking back like, "Damn it, why did we sign these damn deals?" But yeah, I mean, I, if assholes keep giving him MVP votes, that's going to factor into his arbitration. Do you think you got him another five million? I was going to get to that at some point, but since you just brought it up, <laughs> at some point, it'd be worth it to ask if I did. I I think you should. When you see, are you going to see him tomorrow? I assume. Uh, yeah, I would expect a presser. I would, I would ask and be like, so how much of that you think I'm responsible for? You know, I have not seen a direct translation to a added warmth as a result of that vote. <laughs> like, you know, Things have just, not gotten worse. No, but just saying, maybe does he know it was you? Um, I, I I didn't bring it up. I didn't want to like bring it up inorganically, but like, hey, and like elbow him. And, like, what do you think of that? Yeah. Um, uh huh. And do that little money. I was thing talking with to Gilito about it. And he definitely he definitely knew. He just like, oh yeah, I read about that, and I didn't I didn't follow up. Like, what context did you read about that? <laughs> I read about what a moron you are for voting for Yohan Moncada. But no, I would definitely bring it up. Be like, hey, I just want you to know, I'm probably responsible for at least that buyout. So you know. I think I'm due 10%. I don't know. That's just me. Uh, so the that thing, though, going back. extremely unethical. <laughs> it would be, but, you know, it's 2020. There's really no rules anymore. Going back to the thing I was trying to bring up that we've gotten sidetracked now twice on is I saw, like, some response to this of, like, thank God we didn't sign Manny Machado because then this money wouldn't be around to go to these extensions. And maybe it wouldn't have. But these extensions should in absolutely no way prohibit or satisfy the fact that this team, you know, in the future might need to still supplement this roster with free agents. This should not keep this team from spending on people in the future. So This is like a deal that would have made you more able to yes. afford Machado. Yes. And it's so it's I, I don't like seeing that kind of reaction where, you know, because I, I remember they did say the money will be spent and it maybe it still will be. And it has been to some extent this winter already. But I just don't think that these extensions for guys that are already on the team should count towards that money that was spent. But anyways, we've talked about how this has been like a 
tenant of the White Sox front office and how they handle their players. And it's something that they were at the forefront of if, you know, they weren't like the pioneers of doing it, in fact, maybe. But I'm trying to think, and this might, you know, I don't know if you're going to, is there any other team in the majors right now that has the quote unquote, so many members of their core locked up to these deals already? Jeez, Tom, I only cover one team. How am I supposed to freaking I know. I, I don't expect you. I just I was wondering if you – I mean, because I was thinking about that earlier, and I couldn't really – I don't know. I would say no because I'd largely think of other teams and think of, like, their immediate crisis that they're facing. Like As soon as they um, win. Like, the Nationals like, win. Rendon's gone. Strasburg's a free agent. Well, they bring Strasburg back, but Rendon is gone. And it's like the Astros are looking at a situation in a few years. You know, where, what are they going to do with Springer? What are they going to do Springer's with Springer? So a it's free like free agent next year. Yeah, Lindor. That's what I'm saying. Um, so I don't think Bellinger has Bellinger doesn't have a deal. No. So I think that this is one of those things too. Where if this works out, if I mean not the deals, I'm saying if the rebuild works out, and this is a team that starts winning, I think that. The added bonus of doing this is you extend your contention window because you know, hey, if this team makes the playoffs this year and, you know, everything gets lucky and they end up winning a World Series like this year or next year, they don't have to worry about replacing these guys. These guys would still be here for another three, four years. Or if things don't work and these players are still good, and you know, we I, obviously you don't want to come to this. We've already seen it happen. But again, like you did with Sale and Quintana and Eaton, you could really kickstart and refresh things because these guys are on valuable contracts, and if they're good players, oh god, is that the angle you want to push? Is that they can rebuild again? No, but I'm saying let's look at it this way. Let's say that they win, okay, and the team's going well, but there's still a few holes that they want to address to make sure that they continue winning, and they think, well, maybe if we move one of these guys. We could, like you said, there is no. This team has. You're thinking that like they're in a better position than the Cubs trying to shop. Yes, uh, if the Cubs had Bryant been in the same year. situation right now this winter where they were cash strapped, but they had Rizzo, Brian Schwarber, who you know all these guys locked up on affordable team friendly deals, they could have dealt one of them this winter to get an influx of prospects or you know major league ready players, and I think I feel like that's a way that this could come to fruition in the future to benefit them where they'll be in a position where if they want to, to replenish that farm system that you were talking about earlier, that hasn't had a history of being able to produce players of this magnitude on a regular basis. This is a way maybe to go buy those players again in the future and kind of build a longer term sustainable kind of, I mean, they did get Rizzo in one of those deals and that's, it's just near the end of it. I mean, he, they, he served the purpose that you would want is that he was a very signed up at a very affordable price throughout your contention run and has had a long career with you. I, I don't know if you could sign him to another deal at this point. I'm not, I'm not judging it as of what they didn't do with Rizzo or did do. I'm saying if they were in that position where they had all those guys on the kind of deals that the White Sox have these guys on, I think they would have had a much easier time navigating the waters post world series to ensure that they stayed in contention. Yeah, but I, I view the White Sox as kind of acting out of necessity probably a bit more than maybe the Cubs felt they were at the time when they probably took a little bit harder stances about what risks they really wanted to take. Maybe. I'm just excited. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a positive for them. I, I, I view that out of necessity, but I also think, like, they did extremely well there from a team side. Like, I think the general reaction is like, 
well, Yamankata did not like it seemed like he got a normal extension rather than like I have thirty one million dollars in the bank and press me type of extension. Yeah, it's and you do. I, I mean, this could just be me putting this on there, but you get the sense that this team. I mean, you know, you always hear up like, oh, well, these with the guys in this locker room in this clubhouse, they really like each other, they really fight for each other. We're all blah blah blah, and you know, a lot of teams say that when they're winning. And then when they're losing, it, there's, there's not so much, no, we don't really like each other so much anymore. But even through the last few years when this team's been losing, you got the sense that there are a lot of guys in that locker room or in that clubhouse who do like each other and do like playing with each other. And you see them signing these deals and you get the sense that, wow, maybe it's not just, you know, token cliches and BS that they're spewing. Maybe these guys just really like playing here and they like playing with each other and they want to ensure that they get to play here with each other for as long as possible. Yeah, I mean, I probably would have, I could have said all those things were true uh, with Yuan that, you know, I, I feel like he's a pretty quiet dude. I don't necessarily know how much he would have loved Boston as far as like the media uh, fishbowl and that, that degree. He seems like he wants to be chill. Like he doesn't have to be the vocal guy in this clubhouse or with the media. Like people think of Abreu as a leader. Tim is a lot more comfortable being out there and vocal and he can kind of just sit back and do his thing. And that seems like what he wants. And, uh, you know, Rick Renneria has his back no matter what and like really vouch for him throughout that awful 2018 season it, it just seems like a comfortable setup for him but i would have said all that aside all that established until he signs an extension i think he's going to be a guy who is going to follow the money because that's the most logical thing to do and that's what most guys do but now that he's signed he's put his name on paper for a long-term extension that, and you know he spent all offseason you know talking on the phone told me in a phone interview that he wanted to stay here forever that he was comfortable here i, I guess you can give that stuff a lot of credence now because their actions speak to it. So who's next? I mean, I would say Giolito is the, the most obvious candidate. I don't know if it's actually going to happen. I think, you know, he, he's represented by a big agency. It's, it's not like they're going to like, <laughs> it's, I mean, not to, not to cast aspersions on any of else the agent, but it's not like they're going to get some unique bargain because they out experience creative artists agency or something like that. Yeah. But, uh, it, it I, I can tell you for sure that Luke is extremely happy in Chicago. And so I, I think he'd be amenable um, to locking up here. It's not like he's trying to get out or he has like, uh, <laughs> it's just counting on the days or anything like that. I don't know necessarily think that indicates that like he doesn't value free agency or anything like that. But I think if the, if the value is right there, um, it's probably always a little bit harder to do this deal with pitchers, though they obviously have the track record of doing it with Quintana and Sale. Um I think those guys are both sale is I never covered him, but he was said to be a guy who always said like, Oh, I don't care about the money too much. I just kind of want to be in a, you know, contend and win. I can't really speak to the level. It's true, but obviously Quintana coming into situations he came from where he, you know, got signed to very little internationally and went through such a hard period where it looked like he wouldn't make the majors ever. I mean, he got suspended. I mean, he's a 17 year old and then he got released in minor league free agency. So, he had obviously a lot of reason to cash in as soon as he could. I don't think necessarily that's – I don't think those circumstances are present for Giolito, but I think he's as very much happy with his situation and being kind of one of the front and most vocal guys in the clubhouse and comfortable in his role and comfortable with Ricky that there are no external reasons for him not to do it. So I, I would think it's purely about whether or not they meet his financial ask. And you know, financially, he should be a hard sign, but – you know, they, they've proven us wrong literally 
at least twice uh, this offseason and, and repeatedly their ability to do this. So I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised. I'm sure that by opening day, both Giolito and Cease will have long-term extensions. Just That's just the way it works. Cease, even? The guy who has yeah. like a six-career yeah. ERA? No, it's, they're going to get him at a discount. <laughs> he pitched really well the other day in spring. Had like four right. strikeouts. Right. They definitely Five. believe in him. I mean, he's not he's not penciled into rotation for no reason. Yeah. So they're going to sign him, too. They have the whole team under a long-term extension. Except for Nick Madrigal. Break, break it, Tom. Well, okay, let's let's do that then. Let's let's lay claim. Let's break it right here. <laughs> and then if it happens, we'll be like, you heard it here first at the White Sox Business Podcast. Had it long before Ken Rosenthal. Ken the King, as James likes to call him. Well, the king has been dethroned. King Kenny. King Kenny, I think, is best. <laughs> we will have killed Kenny. <laughs> Thank you. So, yeah, I mean, I think that kind of wraps it up. I don't know what else there is to really talk about with this other than I hope you get your bag soon. Yeah, that'd be nice. Um, Mazzara hit a home run in spring training today. so He hit the crap out of it, too. It's like Nomar Mazzara's home runs. When do you you lock him up? (laughs) I'd say they wait till May. Yeah, I say Rick will wait till May. Then he'll watch him hit like a 480-foot bomb off the goose head in right field. He'll be like, all right, let's get to work on that long-term extension. Because, no, for real, when when Mazzara gets one, it looks really pretty. And they've the they've he- got to hook up something to where the thing honks if you hit it on a home run. <laughs> I can't, you know, I was there was like a dent in it already, like shortly after it went out. And I, I'm trying to figure out when it got hit. Maybe they got it from like a you know military surplus or something like that. <laughs> or maybe somebody was fighting out there and got his head rammed into it. I don't know, but there was a dent in. The I thing. really just feel like I would have noticed that happening. Because <laughs> you just watch the I, I have, goose I have, during I have, games. I definitely look out for fights in the stands. It's something I stare at at games. If there's like, Giulio could hit 105 in the gun, and if there's a fight going on the bleachers, I would miss it. How many fights would you say there are per game on average? Per game, I would say it's an under one per game that like is y- you see from the, the press box. But there will be games where there are multiple popping off, and there was definitely one last year that just like Cubs and basically Yankees was games. A, like there was like a full round where yeah. it just like there was like there were like there were legit like punch tracks numbers at the end of that fight. I would like to see the data on amount of fights per game at guaranteed rate field for every opponent and then compared that to games against the Yankees, Red Sox, and Cubs. Yeah, I'm betting – like the Mariners games are a little chill. Yeah, and even in the division games, I don't think you see a ton of fights against like Twins fans or Royals fans or Tigers fans or Indians fans, but Yankees, Red Maybe Sox, Twins and Cubs. Maybe Twins games could be spicy this year. Maybe. Maybe we could fight Dan Hayes. <laughs> that that's what's gonna be the that's what's gonna start out. Just crack a chair over Taze's head. It'll be like the, I'm a ramen man. <laughs> fourth, it'll be like the fourth inning of a White Sox Twins game, and all of a sudden, just like glass shatters, and we see Dan Hayes flying out the press box window, and James standing there <laughs> flexing. <laughs> that was my coffee. Anyways, 
So, yeah, okay, I, I think that's a good place to wrap it up. Throwing Dan Hayes out of a window is always a good way to end the show. Uh, thanks for listening to White Sox Business. Hopefully, somebody else has been signed to an extension, or hopefully they haven't by the time this gets out. Cam, how long are you going to wait to put this out? You putting this out tonight, Cam? You wait until tomorrow. Don't push me, Tom. Don't pressure me. I think you could do it tonight, buddy. Just, I believe in you. We should be streaming it live. I mean, I can't periscope it from my Android phone. I need Apple. According God to you guys, damn it, I can't. I, I, obviously, I'm incapable of doing anything without an Apple phone, including editing this podcast. So, do you edit Maybe. your podcast on the phone? No, but obviously, okay. I'm just not a capable human without an Apple device. Are you opening that door with your phone? With my mind. <laughs> you feeding that cat with your phone? <laughs> <laughs> you leave Tiki out of this, James. Why do you hate the name Tiki for a cat so much? Um, I don't know. I was just kind of being reactive and mean for no reason. What if we have like a listener named Tiki right now who thinks that you hate I his name? I bet we don't have them anymore. <laughs> Way to go, James. I think you owe Tiki an apology. Cam, can you get your cat and put it on the mic so it can hear James's apology? No. <sighs> we need a new producer, hey, James. I'll play back right, for yeah. him later. So, if you've loved all this talk about throwing people through windows, cats, my haircut, and occasional references to White Sox action, make sure you subscribe to TheAthletic.com, and you can go through TheAthletic.com backslash Southside and get yourself a 40% discount on all of this goodness. Fellas, I will talk to you on Monday. Hopefully nothing crazy happens before then. And James, hopefully your bag gets to you by then and all of your candy that's in it. <laughs> Need my Charleston shoes. I'm a ramming man. <laughs> uh, wait, do we have to do an ad read for Charleston shoes now? Uh, what, what after effects do these Charleston shoes have <laughs> physically? <laughs> If you stick them in the freezer for anyways. Thank you for listening to White Sox Business. We'll catch you next time. (laughs) 